gotta be good. I get thrown out. I'll go live with my mom. Mama, get off the money. To the real estate and chill podcast, the newest and coolest podcast. So tune in. Two experts discussing the real estate market. Loan officer James Chudley and associate real estate broker Kevin Iglesias. Beware, this is not another boring podcast. This right here is the shit you need to hear respectfully. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to the newest episode of the Real Estate and Show podcast. I'm your host, James Shatter from United Mortgage here with Kevin Iglesias, associate broker. If this is your first time with us, make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe button, the comment, and uh, you let everybody know. Exactly. We got the man himself in the building. We got a we got a pretty good episode today. So today, a billion dollar man in the building. Billion dollar man, With soon time. to be. Kind yeah, soon to be. So we got Alan Avgi here. I pronounced your name correctly, right? On the money, perfect. Um, so he is a developer investor. How many different hats do you wear? Real estate entrepreneur. Yeah. I okay. All right. The the umbrella term that fits it all, I guess. Right. Yeah. So you are. You've been in the industry for. I don't even know how long. How long have you been in the industry? I'm nearing five years right now in oh, April. Wow. wow. And, you know, introduce yourself. Tell everybody what you do. So, hey, everyone. I'm Alon Avgi. I am a real estate entrepreneur based out of Long Island, New York. Uh, I've been in the business for five years. It started off with single-family houses, and now it's scaled up to new developments across the country, um, multifamily, mixed-use properties, industrial. And nice. at this point right now, I'm scaling faster than I've ever scaled before. I love the business of real estate in general and Everything business-wise, so I diversify my holdings into tons of stuff, whatever I just find passion behind, and building new businesses, brands, um, big supporter of the cash flow lifestyle. Nice. And, so and you, Hold on, I don't mean to cut you off. You're a pretty young guy, no? 25. 25. 25, 25. years 25. Let's old. Let's give yeah. him a round of applause Yo, to this 25-year-old guy. two years older than me. Hopefully, I'm where you are in two years. Wow, now I'm <laughs> blushing. Thank you. <laughs> How old are you guys? You don't want to know. He's 42. I'm 23. Nah, I'm 31. <laughs> <laughs> 31? I'm to say it. 23? 23, yeah. Cool. So how did you, so you've been in the industry for five years now, so you were 20 when you got started. Um, what drove you into the real estate path? So I, I started learning at 20. I closed on my first deal when I was 21. Okay. Um, I was just in college. And I had these startups all the time. I had a beverage startup. I had e-commerce stores, all these things. And it was a roller coaster. You know, like just launching, failing, launching, making a few dollars, you know, cutting it off, failing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm about to graduate college and I really don't want to get a job. So I decided to get into the hard asset space and buy my first property and just figure it out. Figured one property will offset a certain amount of dollars per month. Can I live off of that? The answer was yes. Okay, I won't have to get a job. I'll just figure it out from there. <laughs> that's perfect. So that's how I got into real estate. So hold on. Because you're how old? 20 years old? Yeah. So when you're 20 years old, you could basically live off of like anything. Exactly. So, so, <laughs> so, so what were you living off? If you don't mind me asking. Well, what was like? All right, I'm comfortable. Well, back then I would do odd jobs. Like I'd do, I'd knock on doors and get somebody's social media account. They'd pay me two thousand dollars a month to run their social media account. Nice. I'd compete with these guys right here. Oh, EPM. EPM. Not to mention EPM. EPM does social media managers. So if you need social media management, <laughs> contact EPM. All right, we'll put the number right here, right here, right here. <laughs> so exactly, yeah. I would, uh, I would go door knocking and just meet people and do odd jobs. That was giving me like I don't know three thousand a month. I'm like, if this property offsets 2000 a month, if I'm making five between odd jobs and real estate, whatever business I want to start, then I'll be good. I mean, at the time, I had a basement apartment with a roommate. I was paying like 750 bucks a month to live. My car, food, everything else was like 1200 bucks a month, like two grand did it for me. 
you know, and everything else would just go into my new business ideas. Nice. Yeah. What was that, that shit changes fast. <laughs> <laughs> 20 years old. What was your first deal? Like, what, what, what did that deal look like? How did you how did you finance your first deal? Well, it was a tiny house in Westbury, and I borrowed hard money at 12 and 2, which is garbage, as you know. Uh, I would never borrow at 12 and 2 again, but 12%, two points, go in. It's pretty high. Yeah, yeah. But nobody wanted to lend to me at the time. I 20 found, years old? Yeah. It was this attorney, <laughs> awesome guy. We're still great friends till this day. Uh, he lent to me on three of my, my first three deals, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2. And uh, that's what got me kicked off, you know, single-family house, bought it, renovated it, um, rented it out, took all the cash flow, put it back into the debt. I, I was doing more odd jobs, like I was selling e-commerce, furniture online, uh, whatever I could do to make money. I took every cent I made, and I just paid it, paid it towards the debt. So I didn't even use the Burr method. I just took everything I brought in and paid off the hard loan over the course of like a year. And oh. then I had a house free and clear. Wow. The Avgi method. There you the go. The Avgi method. <laughs> <laughs> I Although like that. I wouldn't do that today, you know. <laughs> so I did when I didn't know any better. Do you still have the property now? Yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's like having your first car, like that memorabilia, you know. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Like why I got started. Great property. I've never had one issue with it, too. Wow. Funny enough, the third one I had, huge mess, huge headache. The second one I had didn't bother me until today. Now it's giving me headaches. The first one, it's been like... Free sailing. You, yeah. know what's, you know what's really uh, motivating about your story? You're, you're a young guy, and we have a young audience that always watch, you know, tunes in. So you don't know. You, maybe there's somebody who watches and be sparking like, you know what? If he could do it, I could do it. I hope so, so man. I think I think that's where uh, this episode needs to go, just educating as much as possible, you know, showing how you did it, uh, why you did it, uh, how somebody else can do it as well. I really hope so. I post this content all day long. Yeah. My My pet peeve of questions is like, you know, how do you get started or what should I do? Because it's like I post that content every day, you know? It's like I literally say it every single time. Every day I get that question. And it's like you just got to get started. You know, that's it. Just start. There's no secret formula. There's no nothing. Just go out and do it. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even use the Burr method that's so widely spoken about today. Back then it wasn't spoken about like this. You know, everyone knows the Burr method today. So buy, renovate, refinance, whatever, repeat, all that stuff. Buy, renovate, rent, refinance, repeat, right? So that's what I do now. But back then, I didn't even know. I just took everything I had, whatever I could put together, and I paid off debt. That was the wrong way to do it, but it still worked for me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. whoever's listening, there's no secret formula. Just go out and do it. I feel like the fear... It really stops people. Like, people are too scared to be like, oh, what happens 10 steps down the line when they haven't even taken the first step? So it's just like, just do it, and then if you make any mistakes, you'll learn from it. It's like, even if it's an expensive mistake, you know, you'll still learn from it, so it's a valuable lesson. So you're paying for something, I feel like. Yeah. So, it, And it's funny how the mind works, right? Because when you're looking at investments, people always think risk. Like, should I give in $2,000 into this small investment? Or then they'll go buy, like, $2,000 worth of, like, clothes or whatever. Yeah. It's not bringing you any income whatsoever. So it's like, you just have to take the risk. I yeah. mean, you took the risk. Oh, yeah. How many properties do you have on your belt right now? I still take huge risks on a daily basis. I don't even know. I'm probably past 50 right now. Nice. Wow. 50 properties, and they're all ranging from different sizes and locations, of course. What makes, obviously, it has to make income, has to make money, has to make sense. What do you look for when you look at a deal? I, I actually have some that don't make income. They're land deals, new developments. Oh, okay. But 
that's only like two. Everything else is cash flowing. What do I typically look at? I mean, my it's so funny you asked that question because I had this conversation last night at two in the morning. That perspective has totally changed over the course of the last three years. My sources of capital have become so much cheaper over the last couple of years. Like I used to borrow at 12 and two. That was expensive debt. Then I would borrow 50-50 with partners and I'd give them a preferred return. I'd give them interest on their money plus 50-50. Wow. Now I have so many partners that just are dying to do deals together that I waive the preferred return. We just go 50-50 and I get to charge fees in order to like keep my office afloat and keep hiring. And they're behind the mission. That My partners are my best friends. They're behind me 100%. So now our, my sources of capital are becoming cheaper. I don't have to hit certain thresholds that I used to. So what do I look for? It's crazy. I just look for cash flowing properties that usually surpass a seven cap uh, with some sort of value add component. And I see rent growth and less headaches. So in the beginning, I wanted headaches. I wanted headaches and buy 12 caps. Today, I'll still buy a 12 cap for a headache, but less headaches give me more, you know, more ability to make moves faster. It lets me scale faster. And that's what I want. So I'm buying a seven cap in Houston right now. I'm flying out there tomorrow. Wow. Uh, it's 138 units. I'm in contract. 138 units. Yeah. So that's a Houston deal. It's between three buildings. That's a seven cap. You know, in Houston, that's a great deal. In New York, that's a great deal. But in the eyes of many people listening, they wouldn't buy a seven cap, you know? So just to break it down, for those who do not know, cap, cap rate, can you break it down? Yeah. It's basically your net operating income divided by your total purchase price. So, and then some like there's an all-in like, cap, like with construction and all that stuff. So Yeah, some people use like present market value in their cap rates. Yeah. But I feel like it's more... Like, I feel like it's better to use, like, the purchase price because, like, then you actually know, like, your return on investment. Like, you know your cash on cash returns and everything like that. I prefer using what you said, but some people do use, like, the current present value of the house. But what happens when you dump $200,000 into a house and then the property value goes up $400,000 and your cap rate diminishes? So it's like... But it's the way I really... What I care about when analyzing this stuff is my cash on cash and then my all-in cap. So it's like if I buy a house for $800, I put into it $200 after closing costs and construction, it's a million dollars, right? If the property offsets $100,000 a year, my my NOI is $100K, then that's a 10 cap. That's what I care about. Not... I look at... Yeah, I like the same exact way. Yeah. I I look at it the same exact way. Yeah. Yeah. That was my other question is that... Do you only look for deals in New York State, but obviously you're flying to Houston tomorrow? Yeah. Not anymore, no. I, I own in Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, uh, Houston, yeah, Detroit. Property managers on those properties? Yeah, local property management te- teams with uh, asset management here in-house. So those who are listening who already invest and maybe want to branch out to other states, how do they find properties in those other states? Like, what do you do to connect with those agents or wholesalers or whoever you got to connect to to find those deals? So that's it. Just connecting with, you know, (laughs) flying around the country, reaching out. Bigger Pockets is a fantastic source. I've never used Bigger Pockets once in my life. Everyone else tells me this all the time. Bigger Pockets is the best place to meet people. So that's what I suggest because me, I just go off social media and fly around the country and meet people. You know, when I want something, I go to Houston. I go there. I call people that I find on Google before I go. I ask people that I know that live there for recommendations, or I just post something on Instagram. Like Instagram's a great uh, networking for me. too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then I go there and I meet people. And sometimes I could tell they're not for me. Sometimes I could tell they are. I call contractors. They introduce me to people. Just like a little ring of meeting people. The second I meet the right people, I put um, 
I put them in place where I think is best fit. And then I build out the processes to loop back to my team. I fly home. I'm hands off there thereafter. If there's ever any issues, I get involved. So how does this call go? Because when you have, all right, so when I first got started in the business in like 2016, I got licensed. I got fully one active. 2017, I got a call from a lady from Zillow. And mind you, my profile wasn't up there. So I'm like, this lady's called me. How? Like, how'd she find me? Yeah. She, she's like, oh, I'm a cash buyer from Florida. I want to buy a property here. And I'm like, this lady's crazy. I feel like she's just trolling me. Right. <laughs> but at that point I was so hungry. I was like, you know what? What do you got to say? And then she's like, she was, she turned out to be a real buyer. Really? Did you yeah. do a deal with her? Yeah. She bought a property in Roosevelt. And uh, that's awesome, bro. I had to wake up at like, I, so I was in, I was in Suffolk County. She lived in Flushing. I had to wake up at five in the morning, get to her by seven because she had no car. Okay. And then we had to go see properties. So I was and like, that's devotion. Full, full service, full service. I was hungry, man. I was, I needed yeah. the money. You were an Uber driver. <laughs> <laughs> a therapist. Yeah, because she, <laughs> <laughs> she was just talking about, she was talking about family nonstop. But it's funny because when I feel like agents, when they get like an investor as yourself, call them out of state, and it's like, this crazy guy wants to come to Houston buy property. <laughs> Should I hang up? Like, how does that call go for you? Well, usually they would send me a deal. I'd say, hey, what do you have right now? Send it to me. And then they would send it to me and I'd critique it, right? I'd be like, hey, this doesn't fit my metrics because X, Y, Z. Can you get me something that fits my metrics? Then if they say no, whatever, the, something might come across their table in two years from now and they remember me and I stay in touch with them, of course. Um, but regardless, I post about it. And when I post about it and put out that content, it reaches more people. It's just people share it. You know, it, that network just expands. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, you have a wholesaler that lives in Guam sending you a deal that he heard through somebody else. <laughs> and uh, and that deal is a good one, you know? Yeah. Yo, the biggest thing is that I want to touch on a billion dollars by 30. Yeah. Like, that's a, that's a huge more years. goal. And like yeah, four now, oh, four and a half. Years. Oh yeah, true, true. So a question I have on that is, do you flip houses or you don't? You don't. Very flip rarely, okay. I only flip houses once in a while to keep my office afloat because salaries cost so much. You know what's funny is that uh, other investors they'll buy plop properties and flip them to use that money to buy rental income. But you've always been, I want to buy and hold. Yeah, oh, I've been the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it works. It's the Avgi method. Yeah, you like gotta it. turn it into oh, yeah. a course. I love <laughs> that. <laughs> turn that into a course. Yo, but I was I was for nine ninety nine a month. Sign up. <laughs> Yo, so I've been I've been in like I haven't been involved in real estate my whole life, but um, you know, my father is an investor as well. So like I would see what he does, like the properties he owns. I would go around like any problems like that he knows of. He would always teach me. And the one thing he always told me is like, if I buy something, I'm holding it forever. So it's just like that's what I do. Like I bought my first property last year, and. I don't plan on selling it like ever. Like, I mean, That's I could awesome. have made a nice flip on it, but like, I just renovated it, holding it. I'm going to buy another one hopefully this year. So, you know, just like the, the route I want to take, but you know, there are some people who do want to flip and, you know, no hate against them, but there's nothing um, wrong with it. Just like your own personal, what you want to do, yeah. you know? So I've sold before I've, I'm, I'm in the middle of flips right now. Yeah. You know, it's a great way to make money. Like you make so much money. Yeah. It's not my preferred yeah, method. Yeah. Yeah. Not I my don't definitely. like it at all, actually, because my goal is to build a holdings company. Your portfolio? Yeah. yeah. A billion dollar portfolio. That's what I want by the time I, I'm 30 years old. Right. Now, did this come to you when you were 20? Like no. this? No, no. Right. So when did this hit? Over this year. Oh, just this year? Yeah. You know, I was sitting down. I'm drafting on my goals. I'm like, all right. What is my real goal, right? I don't like flipping. I want to build a big holdings portfolio. And I don't want to be poor ever again. You know, I hated being poor. I mean, in hindsight, I 
I didn't, I wouldn't like to be poor again. When I was younger, I loved being poor, you know, like I could see it in the future. I could foreshadow me raising my kids as if, you know, we didn't have that much whenever I have kids. Um, Cause it's the way you build character. Humble beginnings. Humble beginnings is everything. And just that drive to want something better out of life. And that drive has stayed with me till today. You know, I always see better, better is ahead, better is ahead. So I wanted to build a holdings portfolio. I said, what do I want to do with the money? I'm not a flashy guy. You know, I do pretty well right now. I don't even spend my money. This month, everyone jokes about it, my entire office. Right, Damien? I was left with $900 in my bank account this month after all my investments. Like on whatever, December 30th, 31st, whatever it was, I had $900 left in the bank. Wow. And I'm I'm passing 50 million assets under management right now. We've got another 30 million in the pipeline. How does my checking account have 900 bucks? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I mean that all the, those you know that money in assets is it's insane. Exactly, and I'm just racking it up. I'm just pushing it back in every asset I could possibly buy, especially cash flowing ones. I just buy and buy and lend in every way possible because I want to scale. That's my passion, you know. So building that billion dollar holdings portfolio gives me a broader vision. And then it lets me hone in on the little details in order to get there. Like my perspective's totally changed since I made that my goal. Now, did you have anybody that was like in the business that taught you the ropes or you just jumped into it and learned trial and error? My parents had two houses. uh, And when 08 happened, my parents had a furniture store. They actually had at the time five furniture stores and they had to close four of them during 08. Yeah, they got crushed. But... The only thing that kept us afloat were those houses, those two rental properties. Passive income? That passive income kept us afloat. It paid the bills. It let us, you know, it gave, my dad gave me $5 a day to go to school with. Um, sometimes he didn't. <laughs> yeah, my dad used to do the same thing. Yeah. I used to wake up and there'd be money right there on my uh, nightstand. Yeah, I'd be like, Dad, can I get 10? He'd be like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> you want more? Figure it out. So credit goes to my parents for making me figure it out, you know? So you touched a little bit on it. Like, what was your background like? Like, you, ne- you mentioned you never want to be poor again. Yeah. Like, how can you dive, dive into that? Because a lot of people, um, it goes both ways. Like, you either you're poor and then you're like, you know what? I want it better. Or you have it all and then somebody teaches you and you know how to do better from the start. So like, yep. can you can you dive a little bit into that? Yeah, I I come from a little bit of a strange background because my family's Israeli and we're fresh off the boat. We're first generation. I'm first generation here. But we didn't grow up in a community. We grew up out east in Long Island where we were the only Israeli people in the, my entire school district. I went to Connecticut High School. I think we were... Ronkonkoma? Yeah. Yeah, Oakdale, Ronkonkoma, Bohemia, yeah. Oh, okay. And uh, there was like 3,000 kids in the school, two Israelis, me and my brother. Oh, so, wow. So nobody really understood our culture, you know? And not only Israelis, there were no Middle Easterns. So uh, Middle Eastern people. So it was like really different. You know, we would go home, speak Hebrew. During the day, we're speaking English. All my friends were Americans. I got to see the other side. Most Israelis grow up in Queens, um, or Jews grow up in Queens, Great Neck, Hewlett. Those are the areas in New York. Hewlett's and nice Jericho. Yeah, All my best Jericho. friends are, Jer- are Jewish. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally. That's where I grew up. I was, like, the only, like, I wasn't, like, the only, like, I'm Bengali. So it's, like, okay. I wasn't, like, the only Bengali person, but, like, one of, like, very few. Yeah. So I was, like, it was kind of, like, a similar thing. Just but you like, know what's nice? That melting pot. Like, yeah, yeah. I love it. Not where I grew up. 
You know that. You grew up out east, bro. There was nobody there. I'm Italian. <laughs> you see, I can't pass for anything else. People just look at me and they know what I am. So, yeah. you know, it's hard to pass for anything else. So anyway, we I'm getting raised uh, out there. So there's not many people with the same culture. So they don't understand our background, our, our you know, style of loyalty and all that stuff. Um, and we have no money at all. Like, when we moved here, we were living in an attic, five of us in one attic apartment, no bedrooms. It was a studio. Uh, my parents ended up working like animals. My dad uh, had his car. My mom sold furniture, sold mattresses at a mattress store. She would call my dad. My dad spoke no English at the time. He would drive to the mattress store, uh, tie the mattresses to his, his roof, <laughs> drive around, and deliver the mattresses. Wow, um, wow. Yeah, that, so both of them were out all day, like from seven years old, never saw my parents. Wow. I didn't see them until I was around 18 before I started to actually get to spend any time with them. Um, they did that. I hit like 12, 13 years old, and, uh, and my parents saved up enough money to buy their first furniture store. So they opened a store, and thank, thankfully, people helped them. Like my mom worked at a mattress store. She got to know the reps. The reps ended up giving my parents like all the furniture uh, on consignment. So wow, they didn't have wow. to pay until they started selling it. My parents are doing phenomenal. They're selling furniture. Life's going great. And then 08 happens. Um, like 08, 09, 010. Uh, 08, 09, 10. And uh, it just crushed the business. So at that, at that point, I started online stores. Because nobody knows how old you are behind a computer screen. Right. So I'm drop shipping furniture across the country, bringing stuff in from California, China, India, all this stuff. Uh, repackaging it at my parents' store and shipping it out. I would get a ride from my neighbor's mom to work every day. Wow. Were you giving her something, you know? No. No. <laughs> she did it for free. She was awesome. Free Uber. Yeah, free Uber. Exactly. <laughs> Just like you. <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd drop ship furniture, and I built a really good business back then. Like, for a kid, you know, when I was 14, I was making between sixty to $80,000 a year. Damn. As wow. a kid. 16? 14, 14 to 18. That's a lot. I was working at the library when I was <laughs> That's awesome. 15. You look, you look like a librarian. What does that even mean, bro? I'm like, <laughs> I wish I worked at the library. That's so cool. I used to just like type on the computer random stuff. A kid would just ask me for help. I was like just helping him with like random stuff. It was a nice job. I was like just doing my homework and stuff uh, there and stuff. But That's awesome. What are your goals for 2022? Just started. What are you trying to accomplish this year? This year, we're trying to buy $100 million worth of real estate. Okay, getting getting closer to that billion-dollar goal. Yeah. Trying to, trying to capture the $100 million. You have You have $30 million in contract right now. Uh, right oh, now almost $30 yeah. million. Right now, I have $25 million approximately in contract. I have another $2 million coming up that we're signing contracts, hopefully by the end of the week. And then, uh, and then I've probably got another, like, three to five in wow. the pipeline. So I should pass 30 million before we actually start closing on these upcoming deals. Wow. What was um one of your worst properties you ever bought? Yeah, yeah I want to like, hear this. Yeah. Close on a property in Selden. Uh for fuck, my attorney told me not to talk. <laughs> <laughs> we always do this you to know, people. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we did ask. Is there anything you don't want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. We could bleep out the names. Yeah, it's all good. I don't care. Um, <laughs> bad tenant. What's he, what are they going to do anyway? Bad tenant. They already did the worst they could. <laughs> Horrible tenant. They move in. Right as they move in, basically stop paying rent. They basically broke into the apartment to get in early access. Uh, we're still underwriting them. COVID happens. Right away, they stop oh, paying man. rent. Right? It's oh, been gosh. two years. Haven't seen a penny from them. Um 
And then, just like as a safety measure, I guess, these people contacted the police and said that we were harassing them. Fake everything across the board. Like, they have cameras, they have everything. They didn't release any footage. They didn't do anything. They totally made up stories that we were, like, harassing them in every way, shape, and form, threatening their lives, all this stuff. At this point, I've got over 100 rentals. <laughs> I'm not harassing one person. You know, I don't have time. I'm scaling. COVID happened. My foot's on the gas pedal. About 13 properties through, wow, wow. through uh, 2020. That's where my mind was at. Not on one tenant causing me an issue. This tenant convinced the other tenants not to pay. Uh, so, no, I wasn't collecting rent over there. What? <laughs> yeah. Yo. Not only that, the police came to our house and uh, arrested someone in my family that I'm not going to mention. Paper arrest, had to hire attorneys, all this stuff. That was my probably biggest, like, nightmare story in uh, in rentals. Arrest. That's a, that's a nightmare. Yeah. That Lawyers, nightmare. no rent, two years. It, 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 I have a similar story. I'm dealing with a property in Brentwood. Uh, the investors are from Brooklyn. The game is freaking deal to handle for them. It took me a year to negotiate with these people to finally get them out. Wow. So we're closing on it like in what are you next giving week. Them? Next uh cash for keys. How much? Ten. Not bad. Okay. Ten thousand. Not bad. No. But um over a year? I mean I gave someone a hundred. A hundred thousand? Yeah. I'm out. I feel like we shouldn't be saying this. Why not? No, it's not. No, <laughs> this, this no, is behind the like, scenes. Yo, what if one of your tenants are watching this right this now? This was such a good deal. Such a good deal I bought. Uh, there was, I didn't personally give them a hundred, but it obviously came from me in the end. Uh, at I was, closing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've heard closing. of people doing that. The broker figured it out. A hundred, that's, that's steep. Yeah, but it was, I ended up paying like 320 for a cape in Massapequa. You know, oh. Massapequa's mint. Yeah. You know, the resale value on that house is 800. I'm like, take the hundred, you know? Yo, yo, shout out to that tenant Because wherever that tenant is right now <laughs> They're living it up Yeah, she's definitely doing great And she didn't even cause a big issue She was like She's like, look I want a hundred grand to leave Otherwise, it's COVID time I know you're getting a great deal on the house Take it or leave it I'm like, okay I'll take it I'll take it <laughs> Yeah Sometimes you gotta do You know what's funny is that Most people won't talk about this Their failures Yeah But it's a good learning experience um, And these are things that people don't get to hear about in the real estate industry, like HGTV doesn't show this any of yeah. this, you know, yeah. like you don't hear stories about this on yeah. there. Um, so, it, hey, you know, more power to you. I think a huge angle that plays to my advantage is the no ego. You know, like I don't have an ego. And you're very humble too. Thanks. Like man. we just met today, but you can tell you like, you're very humble. <laughs> yeah, we we were talking before this, and then Alon was just like, "Yo, any pizza place nearby?" I was like, "I don't know. I'll, I'll try to. I'll see if I pass him." He's like, "No, we'll just order it." I was just like. And then I was shooting a video and you were walking in and I was like, oh, I, f I forgot the pizza. And he was just like, no, it's no problem. I'm just going to walk your shots and walk right back. I was like, or whatever it's called, Humza Medina, and walk right back. I was like, all right, perfect, no problem. And yeah, then we'll, we'll awesome. start shooting. And then we were just chilling. You guys were <laughs> eating. We were just chilling for a little bit before we shot. So it was fun. But no, I definitely I definitely see that from you. So appreciate it. Th that's the dope thing about having a podcast, just connecting, you know? Yeah. It's connecting. And uh, wow, that, that deal, though. Which one? The 100K. 100k. What was the best deal, dude? I've paid I've paid a wholesaler 160 thousand before. Oh my gosh. Yep. Best deal I've done. He got he well deserved that 160 thousand. Let me tell you. Where, where was this located in? Patchogue. Really? Yep. Actually, I, I paid I paid another wholesaler 120 grand in Patchogue. Look, Dang. sometimes wholesalers get three thousand. You know, it depends. It all depends on the deal. So this deal in Patchogue, I did. The guy got 160 grand. From me, he flipped me a contract for a million dollars. He was in contract for like eight forty, um, give or take. Those are the numbers, 
And uh, I mean, my ARV right now is like 2.6. Wow. And I put it into a quarter million. So you know, it's wow. funny. Is most people most people say, "Look, if you're a wholesale, I'm not paying you more than ten percent." But not average. So I don't five hundred percent. Five hundred percent return. Cash on cash return. Five hundred percent. Well, I right? I bought the whole thing all cash two week closing. That's why I was the perfect buyer. That's why I got a discount. Wow. So I was all in like one point three within three months. All cash. Bank refied me out more than what I'm in for, and uh, and I've got an ARV of like whatever north of two five. One thing that I uh, was watching in your video, you talk about like the loophole. A lot of people are not familiar with the loophole. So how did you discover the loophole like in the banks that got you started? I mean, the banking world is all based. That's a great question. What a fantastic question. Because the bank. Let's give it up for that question. Yeah. Come on, let's <laughs> give it a million, billion dollar question. Well deserved. <laughs> banks in, uh, in cash loan properties, they, they utilize the income approach. So the income mm. approach is the basically debt service coverage ratio. So you want your net income um, divided by your debt service, like your, the amount, your mortgages per year, your principal and interest, to be over a certain number. If it passes that certain number, like 1.2, banks will lend to you. You know all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so on the non-QM world, in the non-QM world, I'm doing so many non-QM loans. Like I don't qualify for conventional mortgages because my debt to serve my debt to income ratio is like obscene you know i'm 25 whatever i bring in is irrelevant it, it can't pass 50 million dollars in real estate you know and uh and because of that i have to go in unconventional routes so you find properties that fit that threshold the banks will lend you 80 percent on it and then they'll refinance you out 100 percent if you raise the rents you find properties that fit that threshold on bigger scale. You know, on big commercial properties, the banks do earnouts. They give you basically like a bonus. Like, good job. You did so good, Kev, that we're going to give you all your money back without even charging you anything. Like, we're not going to charge you points, none of that stuff. Just more recording fees to make sure they're safe. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love commercial because that world is so much more fluid than residential and much less compliance than, you know, residential. But it gives you the ability to scale so fast. So before this, I was borrowing at 12 and 2, paying everything back. You know, I was paying it all back. It was really hard. My nose was against the grinder all day long. I was fighting, you know, and fighting in the street just to get a deal done and make it happen. Now, my cost of capital is so much less because I work off the back of the banks. Hmm. And they give me the ability to scale much faster. Smart. Honestly, like that's a great way. I'm looking at, I honestly, I don't touch the commercial space and I don't do hard money. So I strictly do residential. I could do four in one commercial use, but that's pr- basically it. Um, cause I just focus on residential financing, but what you said, that's, that's, that's genius. That's a great way of doing it. Utilizing so, other people's money. Like Vinny Vasquez. Yeah. yeah. So somebody who's 25 years old right now that wants to do what you're doing, right? It's motivated to watching this and saying, you know what, if he could do it, I could do it. What do they have to do to get started? Well, here's what I advise all my friends, right? My friends want to get in all the time. They're like, Alon, how can we get in with you? I say, first things first, find a good deal. If you find a good deal, the rest is easy. So first thing you have to do is find a good deal. Then you have to come up with the money. So, all right, what's my value? I'll bring the debt. You, put, you bring some equity to the table so I know you're legit. And then I want you to run the deal because I'm too busy. The next step is to stop being such a little bitch <laughs> and actually do it. You know what I'm saying? You gotta do a course. And be the yeah. Number two. Yeah. So that's what I tell them. So I, I handhold through the entire process with my friends because I devote time to the people I love, of course. And uh, and I tell them, all right, all right, 
stop being a little bitch. <laughs> Either we're doing this together or I'm doing it without you. So you want to get paid a salary for the rest of your life? You want to get paid, you know, in, in commissions? Or do you want to be part of the deal? And, uh, and once they get past that, then it's easy. So basically, if you're 25 listening to this and you want to do a deal, stop being a little bitch. <laughs> Just make the deal happen. And so you also have, so you also do seminars as well, right? So when people want to do things like this, they can, you know, they can one, follow you on Instagram, and two, also you, you, you host seminars, correct? I haven't hosted yet. I host events, networking events sometimes, uh, but I've been invited to a few stages lately. I've been invited to three over the last couple months. I'm finding a lot of love behind it. I really enjoy doing it, so I'm going to be seeking gotcha. more stages and more public speaking. Yeah. That's big. You got to bring out the rule, no, rule number two. I mean, that's the most important that's one. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I actually hired a speaking coach. Really? Yeah, from Harvard, hence the Harvard merch. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, you should have worn on the episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would have made me look smarter than I actually am. <laughs> All right, well, is there anything you want to leave anybody off with before we wrap up? Like, comment, subscribe. There you go. First Immediately. <laughs> My favorite. If, Finally. If you Finally. don't like, comment, and subscribe on these guys' podcast, we're going to have serious issues. <laughs> and if you want to reach out to me, feel free. I'm at Alan Avgi on almost every platform. I hope this was a good podcast. You guys are awesome. awesome uh, it, was, it was amazing. Thank Thanks you for, for coming me. on. And that was the latest episode of the Real Estate and Show podcast. We will see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Real Estate and Chill podcast with James Chantry and Kevin Iglesias. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Also, share this with your friends, your enemies, your mother-in-law. No, seriously, this podcast is so fucking good, you might want to tell your ex. See you next time.